Hi, my name is John. And my name's Chris. And, and this, this is Stay on, on Target. Hey, everybody, welcome to Stay on Target. We are your hosts. You can find us online at Stay on Target Podcast. Dot com. I feel like this has happened more often this uh, year? than not. Yeah, this year. Yeah. We have restarted a podcast. That's right. Multiple times. Five time, five minutes into the podcast. Yeah. We because, restarted this one. Is your mic on now? My mic is on now. Okay, good. We're good. We We're did good. We did a good five minutes, and it was probably the best five minutes we've ever done. I mean, it, it had to be, because like, nobody's uh, going to hear it now. And John's you know? microphone was off. Yeah, That's right. it was lost to time. It's just I guess we could have just gone. aired the one microphone and like heard you at a distance. Yeah, where it's like, you know... You can use just the, the echo of me. Like like that let be, people turn up and down their own be dials. Frustrating. It'd be real frustrating. Yeah. So, um, you know, uh, just uh, imagine what we talked about. That's right. But we, we'll talk about completely new things. That's exactly right. We uh, we talked about, uh, though, the things that we will recover again. Is yeah. This this week's the episode that we uh, do the E3 projections. Yeah, we're predicting E3. That's right. We're going to tell you everything that's going to happen. I mean, it's, it's 100% going to happen. I've looked into my crystal ball. <laughs> yes, I have one. <laughs> And I will tell you exactly what's going to happen. What kind of crystal is it? Like, is it Waterford crystal? Uh, it's lead. It's lead. lead. It's lead, lead infused. Just, I mean, it's, crystal. It's you, you do like. I used to work in a shop that sold like tons of crystal, like Swarovski crystal yeah. and Waterford crystal. Anyway, um, and uh, they do tell the lead content of of the different like types of crystal like on the crystal does, like it's listed that, that, there. that's a question i have does all crystal have lead in it i i think like just depending on um, the the purity of the crystal okay um also like changes like oh it's it's a very pure crystal so it has less lead and then like this other like oh the, the ones that have they're foggier or are less like just pristine they'll have a little bit more lead or whatever in there anyway i think that pretty much all crystal will have some small element of lead in there um, which again, you know, just why I, it, I, I liked being in the crystal. I appreciate crystal, but the fact that like you're putting something with like, Oh, here's 20% lead, you well, know, or whatever. Well, that, that's, the th- that's the question I had because like you can buy uh, like, uh, crystal decanters. Yeah. Well, why would you leave something sitting in some, a jar that's going to probably leach lead into your liquid? Yeah. Are you looking up if there's I'm look, lead in I'm all? looking up if all of them have it, you know, or like what is it, whatever it is. I think it's called like leaded crystal. Yeah, well, lead glass lead like gla- is basically lead like glass? what, yeah, commonly called crystal, mm. is a variety of glass in, in which lead replaces the calcium content of a typical glass uh, potash. So, okay, but what about, is there crystal without lead? Uh, I don't believe so. Um, no, no lead I don't crystal. Think, I don't think that, like, so they're basically saying that if it is crystal, it's lead glass. Like, that's just what it is. Um, lead glass typically contains 18 to 40% by weight lead oxide, uh, while modern lead crystal, uh, historically also known as flint glass contains a minimum of four, 24%. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. Anyway. Yeah. I don't think you can have, Oh wait, hang on, hang on, hang on. Lead free. Did you find some lead-free crystal, Chris? Yeah, there's there's lead-free crystal. Nice. This is the weirdest podcast, John. This is like, <laughs> like I'm I, like I'm considering like not even using this intro as well. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, basically, we traded uh we traded down for like yeah. you know this really interesting intro for a very yeah. uh uninteresting so lead-based <laughs> more lead-based intro. We're gonna talk about uh, E3. That's right. Predictions. We've um, also got some news. We've got some news about. Uh, some pre E3 news. That's right. About Death Stranding and 
Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Trying to get those trailers out early, you know? Um, but first, John, what have you been up to this week? Um, so this week, I, uh, I've i been doing less of the Apex Legends, which is what I've been kind of stuck on for like a little while, yeah. as everyone kind of knows. Um, but I, I dove back into Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Nice. And uh, and so that's been really fun. Like We've it's, already had this conversation, so that's why I'm right. yeah, sorry. Yeah, nice. Like, that's awesome, like, dude. Oh, man. So yeah. happy. Mm, so interesting. Anyway, but like I've been diving back into that, and because uh, they uh, like recently like released some free DLC to it yeah. that like brings you to other locations and like makes previously why is it free un- versus paid i don't know that's the other thing because like they, they have the season pass where you get um there are two different seasons that they've had they've had a, gone through three uh dlc drops uh story content and then now they're about to do they just did the first episode of another three and but along the way they released a bunch of free content with it where it's a bunch of side quests gives you context for different characters and that sort of thing and there's some really cool stuff in there from a story perspective like some of my favorite one of my favorite uh side quests so far was one of the free like dlc things that like wasn't in the original game as it was released back in in uh in the day so or back last year so it's i don't know man it's a it's a super fun game i i really have been enjoying that and like being sucked back in where i'm like i just want to play it you know that sort of thing Nice. That's cool. Um, Fultron. Yep. Uh, has been playing it. Yeah, he just right? picked it up. Yeah, he said he uh, he just jumped on that boat and he's like, man, this is this is a great game. Yeah. I uh, I want to play it someday, mm-hmm. but my uh, my backlog is too mo- too long. Yeah. I keep thinking about jumping into these longer games, mm-hmm. uh, but then I'm like, well, I, I haven't finished Red Dead and I haven't finished Spider Man. You've got a bet on Red Dead right now with Fultron I know, isn't too, it before you know? June? I think it was before like June. You got like a, a day, you know? I mean, tomorrow is yeah. it, is tomorrow tomorrow's June? Tomorrow's June, tomorrow, I No, wait, tomorrow. Wait, they'll listen to this on Friday. So yeah, tomorrow's well, June. I also like, I, I'm not sure. I don't know if we actually like said the end of June or the beginning of June. Like you might have a month. <laughs> like t- by technicalities. Te- technicality. <laughs> Take that, Fultron. Because like, was it by June? Like by whenever where June like hits? Or is it by june's end like whenever we're done with june I, I'm, I'm just gonna say it's by june's end yeah that's what i would say yeah that's honestly that's what i was thinking too yeah. like in my head i was like oh chris has got you know the middle of the summer is what i was thinking and yeah. you know summer hasn't even technically begun all right all right until I the end some, of june. i got some time so yeah you could um he, I, <laughs> you're gonna do this you got yeah. this chris uh so but what i end up doing is i end up just like jumping into these smaller games more indie games and smaller experiences yeah. shorter uh, so I've been playing Faye. Nice. It's an EA original that came out last year, I think. And um, it's it's good. I, I, I'm enjoying myself. Yes. Uh, whenever we were recording this before, you made the comment that it's a beautiful game. Yeah, I, like that's what initially like attracted me yeah. to it in the and beginning. And it is. It's, it's really pretty. It It is pretty, like, it's the same art style all the way through, same mm, color palette. Interesting. So that, at least you know, most of it, at least the parts that I played, so... That's the part that like kind of makes me be like, eh, it's, it is pretty, but it's yeah, all right. That doesn't pull you through no, necessarily. No, it doesn't yeah, keep yeah. you engaged enough. Yeah, yeah. Um, the gameplay is uh, they're not they're not very clear on what you're supposed to do, when, where. Uh, there's a waypoint marker that you, for some reason you can turn off, <laughs> but uh, it's on the map, not in the world. It's, <laughs> and, it, and honestly, if it wasn't there, you would literally wander around aimlessly. Trying to figure out where you want to go because you're you start in this kind of hub, middle hub mm-hmm. and you can go these different directions, but you're supposed to you can't you can't actually play 
every direction. Yeah. You know, there's only one place they really want you to go. So it's not like a like a like a Castlevania or like a Metroid game where it's like, oh, you can do you know, or or I guess a Mega Man game where you can do any of the bosses in any order yeah, that you no, want. Not, <laughs> yeah, not, at least not according to my experience. It's like there's one path through this. So uh, that part was find was it. frustrating. And then there's just like you know, there's you'll encounter a monster and you're supposed to give him a berry so he'll do this thing or pull on somebody's tail or like. <laughs> Just weird stuff that is like it doesn't even t- give you a a uh, on screen prompt that makes you think you can do that. Interesting. Yeah. So it almost sounds like so. I remember some old like Dreamcast games, like the demos or whatever that you would get. And they'd be kind of like that, where you're like yeah. this, is, this is so like semi obtuse kind of stuff, where you're like I don't I don't know that I would it's ever even, think not, in my no, mind to do not, that. It's not even like I don't even think it's obtuse. It's just like. <laughs> Just tell me what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. You know, like if it's if it's that specific, then then give me a hint <laughs> of what I'm supposed to do. And I shouldn't sure. have to look it up online. Yeah. So there's a couple times where I'm like, basically, if I if I hit another spot, I think where I'm having to look stuff up yeah. online on what to do, I'm probably done. You're out. Because yeah, like I was, you know, I, and I even thought about like there was a, I had hit a point where I like I didn't know where to go or what mm-hmm. to do, and then I uh, I put it down for like a day, and I thought about it. I'm like, I wonder if I could do that. Or, or I, I remember the the I remember the mini map mm-hmm. and not the mini map sorry the actual map with the waypoint marker and so I was like I bet I can pull that up and it tells me where to go and um, I did and it seems so simple but it's like you shouldn't have to explain that yeah yeah well and I also think like for shorter indie more indie games like unless they're like really um, intensive as far as like rpgs go or like whatever i i tend to like get turned off a little bit whenever i have to look stuff up about like a game that's like you know 10 hours or 20 15 hours or whatever because i'm like man if i'm having to like go through a guide with this game it's like is it ah is it worth it you know because because i i play those games to relax and stuff where it's like if i'm juggling like oh here i'm gonna need to look over here and see what i need to do oh now i need to go do it it's like that's a little bit more like adds a level of stress to me or, or adds a level of like thought where i'm like i would I would rather just chill. You know? Yeah, I, did, I mean, this, and this is not even one of those games where like I want to collect everything and do all the things. Yeah. I like, I literally just want to get through the game. Yeah, I just want to finish it. Yeah, I just want something short. Anyway, I'm yeah. trying it. We'll see if I finish it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put this out there. Yeah, don't finish it. <laughs> well, I mean, right now I'm okay with it. But if they give me another reason to, to stop playing, I will. One more brick wall you have to go over. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another thing I've been up to this week, Chris. I have been since since we talked about the Sonic the Hedgehog trailer, uh, movie trailer mm. that came out. Which actually that movie got delayed until yes. tw- next year, like early yep. next year. Yep. Um, because they're they're having to redo all the VFX on Sonic. Um, <laughs> I don't know why they're doing that. I, anyway, that's a just different redo topic. the story but while they're at it. Since then, yeah, that's the other thing. Is like, man, I don't know that. I don't know that that much time and adding that much time and budget to this thing is is going to make it worth it you know the amount of time it's er, and money it's taking to delay this and to delay like all those things i also wonder about the merchandise like if they already have like merchandise designed with the previous design on it and stuff like i don't know it's it's a whole big thing um but since that conversation like i was like oh man the sonic the hedgehog comics and you talked about why you were um putting them in bags and boards uh and things like that and how a lot of them, the vast majority of them are like, okay, it's going to go into this bag and board and then it like, it will disintegrate if you take it out, you know, basically. Yeah. Um, and it's like, that kind of freaks me out where I'm like, oh man, I want to be able to like read these stories or have these access to these stories. 
um, how can I do this? And so I've been, I've been diving into like, how do I get access to these Sonic comic books uh, from, from back in, you know, our childhood or whatever. And uh, they do have collections of them. They're called the Sonic the Hedgehog archives and their volumes, you know, one through whatever, you know, I think there's, they're, there's like 20 something of them or 30 something of them. Uh, and, uh, but anyway, so I've been diving into like figuring out, okay, what's it going to take to get those? And cause they don't reprint them anymore. Archie doesn't even have like the, the license to, to make the Sonic the Hedgehog comics anymore that it's transferred over to IDW. So I was like, this is going to be a, a thing where I'm going to have to get this pretty quickly. Otherwise, like I'm, I, who knows if I'm ever going to be able to find these yeah. like small little graphic novels that yeah. collect these big comics anymore. And so, I've slowly like been doing that, but I, I now know more about like the, the, like how, like all the Sonic the Hedgehog things like fell apart back in the day and like why the stories like ended up like, I don't, there's all sorts of this, the, there's weirdness, including Ken Penders, the writer of a lot of the Sonic the Hedgehog comic books back in the day that we grew up with. Yeah. And definitely the, the main writer of all of the Knuckles, the Echidna thing, he sued, uh, Archie comics. Whoa. Um, in 2011 and it was resolved in 2013 for what sued like, so he registered the copyright for some characters that he created, some side characters that weren't part or origin from the video games or origin from the television series, like the the Saturday morning cartoon. Um, so all of the, the echidnas, all of like knuckles family and things like that, like he registered the copyrights for all those and he registered the copyright for, uh, like, you know, uh, the skunk character or whatever that he like came up with or whatever. And, uh, and then, so in registering those like copyrights and those, he would get, potentially royalties which is something that happens whenever in some comics uh like kevin eastman for uh like the the tmnt uh series of comics or whatever like he gets royalties based on the stories that he did with uh with them but he doesn't write for that anymore um doesn't write for uh the tmnt anymore um but uh, archie comics sued him like sued uh ken penders and for like oh you know we want to be able to to use these or maybe he sued them like whatever it was like this huge court case happened over the course of like three years and in that process um archie comics was like okay well in that case let's just hit a reboot on the entire sonic uh the hedgehog comic series and eliminate all of the characters that would be in question. And so that's what they did. They oh, rebooted the man. entire series and eliminated every single character. What issue did that happen? That in? was issue like 150 or 140 so I, something. I feel like I, I remember that happening like because I, I I would randomly pick up Sonic comic books like here and there yeah. after we stopped collecting them yeah. every every month. Right. And at some point, like everything did change. I'm like, I don't know. I don't understand what happened here. Right. And that's what happened. Like they just, they hit, they rebooted the entire franchise. Wow. Um, and only included characters that were uh, created by other people, you know, other of their creators, like that, that Ken didn't have like the, the copyright or whatever. Even, how was he even allowed to, to register the copyright? This is the thing that I don't understand. It makes me think that, that whatever contract, writer's contract or whatever that he signed with Archie. Yeah the license agreement with that Archie had with Sega then didn't like cover all future characters as well. Because like you would think in these days, like 
I would think that, oh, you would sign a contract that says anything that you create is property of the publisher or yeah. a property of the license holder, right. which would be Sega It would or be like Archie. a work for hire, basically. Right. And that's what you do. Like, that's why um, people like um, Gail Simone and uh, a lot of like writers at DC and Marvel, they talk about how it's like, well, you have to like, in, in our minds, we have to balance our character created stuff versus like the characters like that you know and love where it's like hey i i if all i did was write for um superman wonder woman and batman or and then like create characters within those universes i don't you know you don't see anything from that long term like royalties or anything like that but if you do your own character like your uh your creator own stuff where it's like oh i'm gonna make my own character and then basically publish it with another indie or publish it with uh with even with one of them like you've created a brand new IP yeah, basically, yeah. Um, you get more royalties, and so like you can kind of like if you're you can balance those things because well, like honestly, like you know, for instance, the characters that he created for yeah. Sonic, mm-hmm. you're not going to take those and make a comic for them outside of that. Oh, but he is. No. Uh, since 2013, whenever he like got like the this all that like, came down, and Archie was like, ah, oh, we can't you know publish these things anymore. They canceled all of their Sonic the Hedgehog archives. Uh, that's why those got. Stopped. That's why they stopped. So there were like three or four that they had already announced and, and that's had why released. They don't even publish them anymore. Yeah, exactly. Good and so night. And so now like those are canceled. All of the like so Knuckles the Echidna the that series of comics there was a mini series and they ended that uh, at some point, but. The the archives they had like were collecting those into archives. They got one, two, three, four, and they had planned five and six, which would have been the entirety of the Knuckles the Echidna series, right? Yeah. That would have been the entire thing. Yeah. They canceled those last two, even oh, though they had like man. literally release dates months later. Like they were releasing them every six months. Uh, the Sonic the Hedgehog archives and the uh, the Knuckles the Echidna archives, and they canceled all of them because like oh, now man. we don't know if we have to pay royalties on every single sale of these because we don't technically necessarily have the rights to these characters anymore um as we thought we did with our contract anyway all sorts of of madness uh within within this whole thing and uh apparently back in 2013 ken said oh man i'm, I'm working on this um miniseries the laura sue uh, chronicles is what it's called and it's which i think laura sue was if i remember correctly was uh knuckles's mom and so he's like taking those characters and like going back in time and changing some timeline stuff and I'm and and using all of the characters that that he has the rights to write stories about and and he's talking about oh we're I'm going to finish these for longtime fans and I'm like you can't finish the story for longtime fans cuz you can't use Knuckles the Chaotix you can't use any of any of the uh the Saturday and morning cartoon characters like what what is this story even going to be that's what i'm saying and it hasn't released yet i mean technically like i i, I encountered his his twitter and he, it's still like he's like harping on this whole thing um at this point and uh is talking about releasing it as an app and it's been you know oh, six years now, and it's like, oh my goodness, what is going on? Anyway, all of this stuff to say, I have entered a world in which I'm, I know more about like all of the behind the scenes of the uh, Sonic the Hedgehog comic books than I ever probably wanted. Do you know, to know. why? Uh, I mean, did you find out why uh, Archie lost the or, or didn't renew the license? So Archie, over the course of the last 
few years has changed management three times. Mm. Um, the first time, uh, they it was around the time whenever like oh, you know uh, Ken Penders like stopped writing for them, and then uh, a few years later is whenever he ended up like oh I'm gonna register these copyrights for these characters that I created back in the day. Um, anyway, but so they changed at that point. At that point, after after the legal battle with him, they fired their entire like uh, legal staff, Whoa. hired the like a new legal staff. Cause like, obviously, oh, oh, I couldn't win that one. So we got to get rid of the, these people, um, which honestly, like, I'm like, yeah, that probably, probably is right. Um, but then like now they have, like, they did a soft reboot of the, the, the Sonic franchise. They did a soft reboot of Archie around that same time. And that's like completely unrelated to the now new management that changed over. And they hit the hard reboot for all of the Archie comics where they introduced the new Riverdale Yeah, and they introduced all of the, like the zombies and like all this stuff into the, into these worlds. And that's whenever they canceled the Sonic, the hedgehog comic books is that management. Um, and so I'm not sure if like, they were like, Oh, we just don't like want to deal with this anymore. Um, but then it transferred over to IDW, uh, and the same writer that has been on it since Ken Penders left, like, uh, Ian Flynn, I think is his name. He's been, you know, picking up that and figuring that all out. Um, but it's, it, it makes me realize why that whole continuity is a mess right now. Yeah. Because like you read it and you're like, oh, well, like some things have happened like in this timeline and some things haven't happened. And cause obviously like if he can't use some characters that are pretty key to the, uh, the franchise early on. Who knows? Anyway, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say, this is real lame. I, I agree. Um, all along the way. I mean, I'm all. Don't get me wrong. I'm all for uh, creatives getting paid for the work or creators or you know um, uh, characters that they create or something. You know, yeah. like whatever's fair. Yeah. But. Mm-hmm. This situation just like sucks real bad. And it like as a fan of of those stories, like it's it's weird to to have a the person who created them be like yeah. in order to uh, I think like one of his reason like the reasoning behind doing all this is like oh I want to preserve these characters or whatever. And I'm like well in doing that and attempting to like personally preserve the characters or your version of those characters or whatever you think of them, you've essentially canceled all yep. of these other things. Like the I can never get those your, stories again. Yeah. The ramifications of your actions have completely like destroyed what we actually loved. Yeah. In the and, process. And, and I like literally the ones that like, so I was we, thinking, okay, where do I stop? Where do I, where, what's the window of the Sonic the Hedgehog archives that I want to pick up? And I was like, maybe episode, or issue a hundred, mm -hmm. but I can't because issue 100 was going to be collected in one of those canceled ones. Like they had planned all the way to go through a hundred. And I was like, well, if I can't get up to a hundred, where do I stop? Do I stop at 50? And I looked at 50. It was like, oh, because like, Archie's no longer publishing these things and who knows what the rights of these things are. Uh, issue or the, the archive, the collected edition of issue 50 is now like a hundred bucks for a singular small scale, like graphic. And it's like, Oh my goodness. Anyway. And so I've been trying to price out and like figure out, okay, which ones are the rare ones? Which ones are the ones that like are, are more money and which ones aren't, um, which ones are more rare. Some of them are, are, are strange. Like episode, the, the one with issue 50 in it, that makes sense. That was the big, that was the end of the Saturday morning cartoon. And that was the end of the comics. Like the, 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 the stars aligned and the plot lines, like that was it. Um, and so like that one makes sense. Cause it was this big epic thing. Other than those of them that don't make sense because it's like, oh, a certain fan favorite character was introduced in this uh, in this 
set of of comics and so that one's obviously like super more expensive now and it's like okay well which ones were the fan favorite like i don't know i know who my favorite characters were but like i don't know which ones are the ones that people value you know Mm -hmm. And, and so like that the whole pricing of comics just in general is so strange um, cause you figure like, and even like, I guess video games and any collectibles, it's like, Oh, if they printed fewer of them, right. that makes the value more. I don't know. Like there's all sorts of stuff with, uh, with along those lines. So I've, I've picked up some of them. Um, I picked up some of the more valuable ones where I could find a good deal. I actually picked up the, uh, entirety of the knuckles series. I found it like there was one issue that was, is nice. like 30 bucks on, uh, on, on of the archives or the, of actual... the archives, like the collected, it collects yeah. like four issues in one book and it has a fan favorite character. Uh, Julie Sue was introduced in there. And so, um, Julie Sue. and so, and so like, it's super expensive. It's like 30 bucks if you buy it, but somebody was selling the entire set that they, just bought and then read for forty dollars so nice. it was like four different graphic novels for 40 bucks and i was like oh i'm just gonna get this like yeah. i'm just gonna buy like from this person um so i did and so that's on its way so um, you know there's i'm just like this is a long-term prospect of picking up all of these comics like whatever it's gonna be but i mean if it was uh if it was real easy it wouldn't be called collecting that's Would true it? i don't know i feel like that's a weird statement that is a very weird statement but i mean my thing is, I wish we had picked these up along the I way, know. like whenever they were being published years ago. But yeah, I don't know. It's just one of those, one of those things, man. Well, we spent too much time on this already. Way too much. So we're gonna move on to the news. The news, the news John. Yeah. Let's start with the weirdest news. <laughs> and I'm not talking about modern warfare. That's right. <laughs> um, I'm talking about uh, Death Stranding. Yeah. Uh, the new trailer's out. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, you should stop this podcast and go watch it. Yeah. I will not describe it to you because I cannot describe it to you. It is something. I don't know how to describe it. It's about f- five minutes long, four minutes long. I think it's eight minutes long. Eight minutes long. Because like they that have, was eight minutes long. It, yeah, it ends, and then there's a whole other like two minutes at the Good end. Grief. Um, it's like the I mean, end credit sequence of the, of the trailer. It is a little bit what I expected from Kojima in terms of like the weirdness of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little more, oddly enough, uh, I feel like it's more based in, it's like based in America, which mm-hmm. I didn't expect with the president, President Bridget. Yeah, like we literally like are in the White House, it looks like yeah. at one point. Yeah, it looks like know? the White House. Um so that's a little odd. It looks like there's been some kind of war, and maybe there's some flashback sequences where you actually play mm-hmm. pieces of the war, like as in like there's some sort of time travel or time shadow elements or there's something. There's these like enemy factions or just I guess it's like rebel. Or, I don't know groups. He calls people. them terrorists. Are they all terrorists? I don't know. He he calls like whatever know. whatever group. Of, uh, he's like, oh yeah, they're terrorists. Apparently, like apparently, maybe you're trying to like put the country back together. Whatever mm-hmm, that means. Mm-hmm. They talk about laying cable all mm-hmm. over the place. Well, I mean, honestly, like whenever you look at the gameplay, like he's like has a big ladder that he like puts down and he puts like he repels the thing. And so like you're like, what are you like? What are we doing out yeah, here? Yeah. Well, the gameplay uh, they show in the trailer. This is all over the place because the trailer's all over the place. Oh yeah, it's it's um, really all over the place. The, Go watch it. It's it, it's fun to watch. Yeah. The the gameplay to me, I'm just going to straight out say it, does not look fun. Uh, <sighs> they show him laying down a ladder. Uh-huh. Um, laying down some kind of a grappling hook thing. Like a rappel, like a, yeah. r- a rappel cable or whatever. Um, and then there's like this, it uh, looks like he gets like uh, pulsed or something and he has to hide mm-hmm. from these enemies. But then he runs out 
and immediately has to go into this melee, weird melee combat. Mm-hmm. That looked looked really like kind of slowish and yeah, kind of clunky, fun. somewhat clunky. Um, also, like if this is a stealth based game, why run out right next to people? I don't know. Because uh, you got to see the action. Somehow, oh, Chris. Gosh. <laughs> I don't want to see the action. Um, what else? Is that the only? No, we saw him riding some kind of yeah, vehicle, a, a big motorcycle. Yeah, this this futuristic looking motorcycle. Um, we saw um, we saw some oh. trench stuff like in the past. Yeah, so we saw the past. That part. was cool, like that a third person cool. shooter stuff. And then we saw so like basically like there's you know they call these. Uh, it seems like there's like this like either uh, spiritual realm or like afterlife like like the. They are the BTs, is what they call them. Yeah, yeah. And like they're connected to, they say the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something like a text, like it pops up at one point. Said something about Hades or something like that too. Does it? Yeah, I didn't remember that. It said something about like so you know connected to Hades or something like that too. So I don't so, know. So then, they, then they have these babies that, that are called BBs. Uh, <laughs> they're called uh, bridge babies that help them see the BTs on the other side. Yeah. Um, whatever that means. But it, like they it, like messes with them apparently. Yeah, one person was like, "Oh, I, you know, I always feel bad." I feel always feel weird. Yeah, I feel weird like after after I do that. So, um, the, so that that part was kind of cool where you see the BTS and that's kind of creepy. Yeah, like and him running away from them a little bit and like getting yeah. getting overwhelmed and then seemingly pulling him into the past somehow. I don't know. Yeah, that that part that transition was weird. I, there's also the the piece at the end. The guy who's like, you know, she says something about like, glad I can see them all or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, and he then, says, I have a good connection to the other. He's like, ah, oh, you know, yeah. it's, it's hard to connect with people keep, whenever you can't touch them. They say the connections all the time, and they keep yeah. talking about connecting with other people. Yep. And if you can't stay connected, you can't, you know, you can't stay connected with someone if you can't shake their hand. Right. Uh, all this weird stuff. And then the the soldiers around him turn into the zombie-looking yeah, like skeleton the, the, with glowing eyes things. Which was super, like, visually, there are some really cool visual things in this. Yeah. And that's one of the, like, the like and he throws the, the, the cigarette and it lights everything on fire. And now they're, like, fire zombie soldiers. It's real weird, All man. that being said, I have no idea what's going on <laughs> in this game. Yeah. Uh, it's coming out November 8th. It's coming out this year. Yeah, release date, man. I didn't expect it to... I, this was of the Sony first-party things that I thought would potentially come out this year. This one was the highest on my... Like, I was like, oh, that one might come out this year. I think that this probably means that Last of Us 2, Part 2, will not come out this year. Right. Because um, I, I, I don't see them dropping um, either... Both games at the same time. I also, like, halfway, like... I wouldn't be surprised if this game gets pushed. I mean, it's, because it's Kojima. Yeah, and you can do what he can do what he wants. Um, and honestly, like PlayStation hasn't and Sony hasn't been shy about pushing things into the spring. That's right. They, and before. they honestly haven't had big releases. Like all of their big releases have avoided the kind of November season. Not on purpose, though. Lo- no. Most, most of the time, they were like several times they were set to release in December. That's right. But then, in order to give the game more time, they pushed them back. So, like honestly. At this point, I mean, we're we're sitting here in May. Mm-hmm. I could totally see this game getting pushed back into January, February. Yeah, yeah, I could too. Like by the time we roll around to like you know J- July, August, or something like that, maybe it gets yeah. pushed. Who knows? Um. So yeah, I mean, I have no idea what to think of this game. I'm excited for it. I'm gonna pick it up and play it. Um, this. This the is one of those ones I'm going to wait for reviews on. I think. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like that's probably where I'm at too. But I'm I'm excited to see what. Like, to see the weirdness unfold. Yeah, totally. Well, and, and one of the things that, like, always kind of turned me off about Metal Gear mm-hmm. um, was the fact that 
its story was so convoluted that you kind of had to understand at least to a certain extent what had come before. Yeah. And like it, that was just too much. That's a good point. Yeah, because like I always I I I avoided Metal Gear before cuz oh yeah, I don't haven't played any of the other ones. Yeah. Um largely because like we just weren't PlayStation gamers back in, in that time frame. Yeah. Um, and so I feel, felt like I would miss the boat on that one, whereas this one I feel like I can yeah, I can get in there. It's like I can be just as confused as everybody else, yeah. maybe, you know? I mean, I, 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 <laughs> love, more I, I love all the actors and actresses involved. Yeah. So, like, that part intrigues. Like, I, I think, uh, let me say that. That's the part that I think draws me in the most, is, yep. is the fact that, you know, it's Norman Reedus. Um, it's, it's Miles Michelson. It's... Um, uh, I can't remember the actress's name. The one that the the one that you see there at the end. The oh blonde. man, there's a couple. There's a couple like other huge names. Yeah. Isn't so, Del Toro in it too? Like it, it oh, flashed him up at I one point. Know, yeah, cool. I think I think uh, Gamilla Del Toro's in it as well. Uh, Guillermo as, Del Toro's in it. Yeah, like I think oh, yeah, I think it popped right. his yeah, name yeah, up yeah, at one right. point. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, sorry, I thought you meant Benicio Del Toro. <laughs> oh no, no, that oh, was, yeah. he would be awesome as well. Yeah. Oh my gosh, dude. Um, did you ever see Sicario too? Did you ever see the first Sicario? No, I haven't, John. dude. Um, we need to correct that situation. I love uh, Benicio Del Toro. Yeah, he's, so he's good. phenomenal. Um, Actually, yeah. he was amazing in uh, in Last Jedi too. But, but that's yeah, totally. <laughs> One of the only like of that storyline, yes. he was the standout of that storyline. Plus, I loved him interacting with BB-8, like the, the like BB-8 and the uh, yeah. <laughs> the uh, Mark Hamill was the uh, the person putting the coins into BB-8. I thought I that was fun, that. funny too. Yeah, that's funny. Mark Hamill like wanted to do uh, some uh, motion capture, mm. and uh, and asked to do some motion capture, and so they put that role in for him to do motion capture on. Interesting. So, so he was. He that's was... pretty much I think feel like how that whole movie went. <laughs> Someone wanted to do something serious, did it? <laughs> I could have walked up to Ryan Johnson and been like, hey, I want to punch Chewie in the face. He's like, cool, do it. <laughs> Let me add some porgs to the shot. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Which I liked the porgs too, but. <laughs> They're so pointless. <laughs> well, it was I, there for a joke. Well, they were there. That's what they were there for. They were there so they didn't have to CG out all of those birds on the island. Totally. <laughs> And then, like, they're like, okay, well, let's just make them, make them funny. And I, I appreciate it. I, I think they're fun. <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Death Stranding, no idea. Um, the, again, like, the actors are the most, thing, the most appealing thing to me. I'm ready for some weird stuff. Yeah. That's about it. Uh, but, like, again, it goes to if the gameplay is not fun, then I will not enjoy this game. I agree. I also think, like, you know from a gameplay perspective we haven't seen much and so totally. that's the part of it that i've always been like what is like what do we what's the what action we that we're doing here yeah um whenever it was just oh we're going to travel from point a to point b delivering things like i thought that might have been the case and that yeah. still might be what some of the gameplay is yeah, um, I mean, but this in this is, one we did get the shot of him in in the trenches like shooting at a zombie or whatever well coming from like a post zelda world um yeah. and uh even to some extent um Things like I feel like uh, Spider Man, mm -hmm. like games with a freedom of movement mm -hmm. that we have not experienced before, but now like spending a lot of time with them. Mm -hmm. um, playing a game that is so restrictive that requires you to use a ladder to scale the side of a cliff. Mm -hmm. It's not even a cliff. It was it was just like a you know maybe ten foot high outcropping. Yeah, yeah. 
that seems cumbersome. It does. And then, you know, the other side of that is like it yeah, cumbersome is the right word. Because again, with uh with Assassin's Creed Odyssey that I mentioned earlier, yeah. that's one of my favorite things about that game is that it's you can just climb. it's unrealistic. Because it, they're like, this is a video game. You can just climb everything. Yeah. And you you see a wall. Oh, you know, four seconds. You're up at the top of it. You see a cliff. Oh, you just go. You know, it basically takes the stamina aspect of Zelda out of it and lets you do whatever you want. And so that aspect of it is so much fun that mm-hmm. I never have to go. Oh, that's so far away, and I have to do through you know 14 steps to get there. Um, so yeah anyway so if this like makes it 14 steps to get there i'm like ooh, ah that's a little hard hard to swallow in other weird news call of duty has announced their new their next game is going to be call of duty modern warfare not call of duty modern warfare 4 no this is a soft reboot (laughs) so let me um oh man i uh this is also a trailer that you you should watch um it's a it's a shorter trailer it's like two minutes long so this is from the verge um going to read a little bit of this. Uh, there's actually two articles I'm going to read from. Cool. Not the whole thing, though. So. Uh, this is from Andrew Webster. And uh, he's talking about, it's called Call of Duty Modern Warfare as a tense and daring reboot of the beloved shooter series. Today, developer Infinity Ward officially announced Call of Duty Modern Warfare, a reboot of the long-running sub-series, sub, not submarine series, but sub-series of Call of Duty. Writer's man with an intense focus on gritty realism. Unlike Black Ops 4, the new Modern Warfare will indeed have a single-player campaign, and it's the main focus for the reveal today. As you might guess from its name, it's not a direct sequel to 2011's Modern Warfare 3, but instead a soft reboot that kicks off a new storyline with a few familiar returning characters. The campaign will be split into two halves. In one, you'll play as a Tier 1 operator, a Special Forces soldier, and in the second part, you'll take on the role of a rebel fighter in the Middle East. So the interesting part to me... Um, so I'm piecing things together from a couple different articles. I'll read the next one. Uh, it says it's a soft reboot and soft reboot to me always means, well, we, this isn't a direct sequel, but this is in the same world and occurs maybe after the events of that. Yeah. That is not the case with this. Like I view God of War, the most recent one as like they, they call it a soft reboot of the God of War franchise because it's like, okay, well it's the same character. He has the same history and we may like, you know, reference it occasionally here and there reference those previous games. But for all intents and purposes, this is a new timeline. Like it's, it's removed from what came before and you can onboard right here basically. Yeah. Um, but that's not what this sounds like. This is, and it would be very impossible via this trailer to, <laughs> to do that, um, based on like some of the people who are in the trailer. So to be like, Oh, this is, this is set after modern warfare three. So yeah. Anyway, that's real weird, man. Yeah. So, uh, he also wrote an article called why the new call of duty isn't modern warfare four. Uh, he, he says, by the end of Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3, a lot had happened in this series, from nuclear devastation to a Russian invasion of the U.S. So when the developers at Infinity Ward started plotting out the next game in the series, they realized something. They needed a clean slate. Quote, there were just so many things that made it bear no resemblance to the world we see today. To make a new Modern Warfare game in 2019, we had to put that old storyline to bed. But it's still Modern Warfare, explains Jacob Minkoff, single-player design director on the new Modern Warfare that's the reason why, uh, end quote, that's the reason why the next game announced today is 
simply called Call of Duty Modern Warfare, as opposed to Modern Warfare 4. It's not a sequel, but more of a soft reboot. And he then compares it to, akin to last year's reimagining of God of War from Sony Santa Monica. Although that, this is like, this is... Again, you just rel- you to- told me reasons why it's not like right. God of War. So this sounds like a better comparison. The developers liken it to when Daniel Craig took over as James Bond. It's the same general setting and characters, but with a grittier tone. The new Modern Warfare will feature familiar characters, including the likes of fan favorite Captain Price, which we see in the trailer, Yep, but places them in a more modern context. Okay. Uh, quote, we wanted to bring them back and give them a new life, more fully fleshed out, more tonally mature, says Minkoff, end quote. The main reason for this shift, according to Minkoff, is so the story can more closely mirror the real world. While that doesn't mean Modern Warfare will feature recreations of, of real conflicts or situations, but instead offer scenarios inspired by them. Uh, here's how oh, we don't have to go into that. That's just like talking about how it compares the to modern day. So anyway, like I think yeah. the the main thing here that's interesting is like just their approach to I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel. Like I don't I, either. <laughs> I, I, I like I number one, let's just let's say this. Um did you ever play Call of Duty Modern Warfare 4? Uh no. Bro. We call it before Modern Warfare. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> this is technically Modern Warfare 4. And you loved Modern Warfare 2. Modern Warfare 2 three. was the first, like, f- that was my first foray back into gaming, really. Like, I mean, it was like, because, yeah. like, I took, I mean, I would play, like, Halo, and I would play, like, those games, but, like, it was, like, the the game that I was like, okay, well, I have to, you know, get a system, I have yeah. to play this, you know, that sort of thing, so. Dude, uh, it, Modern Warfare 2 is probably my favorite, one of my favorite games of all time. Mm-hmm. It's campaign probably, is really good. It's definitely my favorite Call of Duty. I, I think that, like, as a whole, as a campaign, Modern Warfare, Call of Duty 4, Modern Warfare, maybe better. Yeah. From a story perspective? From a story perspective, yes, because mm-hmm. it kind of sets up everything. Yeah. Um, but as a whole piece, mm-hmm. Modern Warfare 2 is um, better, in my opinion, because it takes a lot of the missions from uh call of duty for modern warfare and uses them in the spec ops missions so you not only have the best missions from call of duty 4 in there as spec ops missions you have a fantastic campaign yeah for modern warfare 2 and then some of the best multiplayer maps i've ever played minus the ability to new tube people to death and and re-kit in the middle of uh multiplayer matches and have unlimited uh, grenades and such. Yeah, dude. I mean, that's the thing. I never really had the desire to go back and play until they came out with the uh, Modern Warfare Remastered. Mm. Um, because, like, whenever you played the original campaign or whatever, like, I watched some of that and I was like, ah, but it doesn't look as good as Modern Warfare 2. And again, like, because I played a lot of those levels, like, in the Spec Ops section, yeah. it's like, I just never had the desire to really go back and do it. But I fully realized, like, the story of Modern Warfare 1, like, is it, like there are twists and turns in there that are are, are amazing. Yeah. Um, and so my question about this one was, like, are we basically taking the same story? Like, will we have Makarov or anything like that in this one? I don't know. There's somebody speaking who's, who sounds like he's possibly a Russian at the end. Like, that is a weird thing. It's like... Yes, his comrades. No one would... No one would, like, if you soft rebooted... If you're soft rebooting... I don't even know, man. 
Because it's like, so weird. If you're soft rebooting, you wouldn't like you would be like, oh well, I'm, I'm we're just exactly. new bad guys, new yes. new scenarios. Like again, I, even even with the uh, like 007 or something like that as James Bond as like a a a thing we would go, oh well, we're not gonna have the same bad guy that we had 14 well, movies ago. Well, that's not true entirely. I know they but, do, but like still, like you weren't gonna necessarily pull in direct like things like that. But in this case you're already pulling forward a lot of these other elements. I don't know. Why not? Yeah. I don't know. It's weird. I don't know how I feel about it. I mean, I, again, like that, that storyline was so iconic that I don't know how you tell that when, or why you tell that, tell a a different story story with the same characters as if that other story hadn't happened. Well, and then I think about like, okay, so if I, I, I understand like perspective of if you're going to tell a quote unquote modern warfare style story, right? Like even if you did like try to tell the same story back then, like that's not modern warfare anymore. Like that's, that's a decade ago warfare, you know? Um, True. I mean, totally. Yeah. I mean, if we're saying, yeah, I mean, if you're picking up modern warfare remastered, Mm -hmm. yes, it's going to feel dated, you know, to, however many years ago that was, at least 10, 12, 13, something like that. Right. Um, So I totally, I understand that. I'm, I'm more like questioning using the same characters again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I, it seems like that's just a, a way to pull in like fans of the franchise where it's like, just because price is in this, like I'm more interested in it than I would be if he wasn't in it. Agreed. Um, And maybe that's, that's exactly what they want. Yeah. Um, just, and that's a cynical way to look at it, I yeah. guess, where it's like, oh, including these characters who are basically not themselves, but are themselves. And in some weird way, like it, it's going to pull people who have not been interested in, in the franchise. Yeah. Well, in, and this is outside the thing. of that. At the end of the day, if it's fun to play yeah. and it's a good game, right. then I'm going to love it. So, that's right. Um, because I already know I love the characters. I don't yeah. have to like become fans of those characters again right well and i guess like we only really saw price uh and no, maybe macroth or whatever oh, in, in the trailer in the trailer like yeah we didn't see ghost we didn't see ghost um i can't imagine not putting them in in some right. some way but i imagine the like the next trailer will feature a different person you know will feature ghost or something so yeah um yeah we'll see the uh the trailer looks really pretty it's apparently a new engine mm-hmm um, it looks r- nice. really good. Yeah. It looks really detailed. I agree. Like some of those, like, especially the, the, the shadow, like the, the lighting, I guess is like, man, I was like impressed by a lot of the low light kind of stuff in there and, and that sort of thing. So, um, some of the more far away shots, like there's a, a plane shot with like a town blowing up or whatever. And I was like, ah, eh, that doesn't look as good as the rest of the trailer, but a lot of the close quarters kind of stuff looks a fantastic. So uh, b- before we move on from this, um, so the, uh, the, this last quote, um, by Taylor Kur- Kurosaki, studio narrative director at Infinity Ward, said, quote, by the time Modern Warfare 3 was over, nukes had gone off, the U.S. had been invaded by Russia, and there were no more relatable stakes. So we put that storyline to bed and instead reimagined those characters so they could work in the conflicts of today. The world we live in is more complex than the one 10 years ago. Enemies often do not wear uniforms. As a result, civilian collateral damage is a bigger part of the equation. End quote. He likened the modern warfare reimagining to Casino Royale, the 2006 film that relaunched the James Bond franchise with a, with a more grounded tone. He referenced modern military films like Lone Survivor, 
which is a fantastic movie. American Sniper, another great movie. Hurt Locker, one of my favorites. And Sicario, one of my, oh, they're saying we're pushing all my buttons, John, uh, which he said are, quote, not about black and white characters, but about people navigating a tough world, end quote, as influences on his new game. So I'm all for that. I'm all I love mm-hmm. all those movies. Yeah. Those are all great movies. Yeah. So I'm. I, I think overall I'm. A, I'm up on, on the positive note on this. Where I'm like, it looks interesting and cool. It's just confusing um, to me. Like the the idea behind the soft reboot kind of thing. It's it's very vague in yeah. those terms. So. Uh, another thing that I found found pretty cool. He uh, talked about. Um, oh, sorry. Going back to David uh, Jacob Minkoff, the campaign gameplay director. Made reference to another source of inspiration, Infinity Ward's own Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare and its ACE-130 mission. In that section of the game, players viewed the conflict disconnected from above in sterile black and white, raining fire down on faceless enemies. The view from the ACE-130 in that game looks nearly identical to the real-world real footage of such airstrikes. Quote, I felt genuinely and profoundly uncomfortable in that moment, Minkoff mm-hmm. said. And he wants the new Modern Warfare to deliver the same caliber of, quote, relevant relatable and provocative moments. Yeah. That was, uh, those missions were some of my favorites. And like, again, like he's, he's right. Like you, as you're doing it, you're like, man, yeah. like I'm literally, you're just in those missions. Like you're pulling a trigger and it's like, you don't, you don't have any context. You don't have any. And one of the things I loved was where the the spec ops missions where like someone was down on the ground. Yeah. Yeah. Telling you what to do. Yeah. Or you were directing someone down on the ground. Yeah. And like, you, you know, you have, only a small piece of information with yep. which to make decisions yeah. and like be, being forced to make those decisions on the fly like that yeah. in a re, like it, it really does like give you this like level of, Oh my goodness. Yeah. You know, what is, what, what is even going on? You know? And this is how, like, it's funny. I mean, they're probably doing all these things on purpose. I'm sure they are. Cause like I, this will get me back into call of duty. I haven't bought call of duty the past couple of years. I right. will buy this day one Yeah, and I may even buy a, Special edition. Well, there you go. That's why they're doing it, Chris. That's why they're doing it. <laughs> because I love these characters. Because you like these characters, yeah. and like you're like, oh man, if I'm, you know, they're they're like you said, they're pushing all the the right, like pulling out the right references, the right movies, the yep. right like missions and stuff. So yeah, I'm surprised they didn't mention all gillied up. You know, I mean, it's one of the best <laughs> missions. It actually, I think it was better as a spec ops mission when you go through the level yep. backwards in Modern Warfare Two. 100. That's another mission that like why like. And that's the masterful thing about those spec option missions and a lot of like the, the kind of one-off kind of missions like that were again, like you were limited in the information that was given to you as the player going through, like he would just mm-hmm. be like, okay, now oh, there's two, two enemies up here. Yep. We have to take this. You can maybe only see one of them or whatever. And like, you have to take one of them out. And it, like it's, it's fascinating. Well, and I love the, ability. the level of like coordination of the, gameplay that had to go into those levels and then for you to have that unique experience yeah i loved the ability to play those either single player or or yeah. uh, co-op as well yeah like i think there may have been one that was like only playable on co-op or something like that but like mm-hmm. most of them were available uh both uh single player and co-op and like that was really really cool agreed the last piece of news that i have john is about microsoft's e3 conference this is uh, coming from ign janet garcia microsoft will have 14 xbox games first party titles at e3 this year nice as head of xbox phil spencer pointed out on twitter 
That's more first-party games than Microsoft has ever had at an E3 press conference. This is his tweet. Just finishing our final E3 rehearsal here with the team in Redmond. Feel really good about which is weird. Like that's a early rehearsal, but it's earlier than he normally tweets this out. Like yeah. he normally tweets it out like the night before, right? Which is the one in Redmond. This is not like the on, on stage in right. L.A. They haven't done like the dress rehearsal, yes. maybe. But just finishing our final E3 rehearsal here with the team in Redmond. Feel really good about the briefing. Lots to show. We have 14 Xbox Game Studios games in the show this year. More first-party games than we've ever had in the show. Fun times. Hashtag Xbox E3. Ah. <sighs> So awesome. Back to the article. Microsoft currently has the most powerful console on the market with the Xbox One X. Made strides with the Xbox Adaptive Controller and offers plenty of value via its Game Pass service. But Microsoft's lack of first-party games this generation has definitely been one of the biggest points of criticism leveled against them during the life of the Xbox One. It's a problem Microsoft is fully aware of and aiming to correct. In fact, just last year, Microsoft was hiring with a focus toward developing exclusive titles for its consoles. Before that, the company promised to invest more in making first-party games on several occasions. While there's no way just yet to know what the 14 Xbox Game Studios titles are, how impressive they will be, and when they'll be released, we do have some sense of what the lineup could include. Halo Infinite and Gears 5 are, of course, natural contenders for an E3 press conference presence. It's also possible one of the many studios Xbox acquired last year could be ready to give us a new tease of what they're working on as newly minted first-party studios. Rare could continue to show off more Sea of Thieves content, while Mojang and Microsoft also recently announced Minecraft Earth and, of course, continue to update Minecraft itself. And there are rumors abound that... What? And rumors abound at what will be at E3 2019, including reports that a Fable revival will be showcased for everything else, blah, 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 blah. Fascinating, Chris. It's exciting news. It is exciting news. And it leads straight into our main topic. That's right. So is that the news? That's the news. Kind of an arbitrary break, though, yeah. uh, because E3 predictions, Chris. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about that for a second, though. Um I'm excited to see. I don't know. So let me, can I just start with my first prediction? Oh yeah. I mean, okay. I want to dive right in. And so, the, the, no rules. There's yeah. no limits. No holds barred. Yeah. My my first prediction is that Microsoft will show us its new console and give us a release date and show off games for it. Mm-hmm. That would be why we're gonna see 14 Xbox first party titles. Yep. In my opinion, I think I think that's a good, that's a really solid prediction. I have that one down too. Like the new hardware reveal, I I would say probably the date part is interesting. Like I was thinking it would be more along the lines of what they did for uh, Scorpio. Um, at the time, it was called Scorpio Project Scorpio or whatever. It ended up being the Xbox One X. I thought that I thought that we would have like a trailer and tell people, hey, here's going to be the next thing. Um, Here, here's, but here's, in here. order to not limit the number of sales they could have on like the Xbox One and the Xbox One X, not necessarily give us the release date or the pricing. I don't think it matters anymore in their overall strategy on how many boxes of the new console they sell because of the fact mm. that everything will be playable everywhere. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a solid point too because it, it makes sense in this case to go ahead and be like, hey, here's when you can be excited about this. Yes. Yeah. I, and, and this is the other reason, and I'm only formulating that opinion right now, because um, if they're showing 14 first-party titles, I, I am... I seriously doubt that all 14 of those will will only will come out within the next year or so when we think that 
uh, before the the next console releases. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know Sony has said what did they say recently, like the new console is not coming out until what was it, twenty twenty one? I think or 22? so. So the reports are twenty twenty, like where they're like, okay, we're gonna I have. I thought recently they said like, there was something they said in an investor call. Hmm. Can you look that up real yeah. quick? Yeah. I thought that they said an investor call won't come out till like twenty twenty one or something like that. It was like it was further out than I thought. Because yeah, like we've been thinking twenty twenty. But, like, man, I, I don't think they're thinking that soon. Yeah, I mean, like, the only reason why I, I say that I the, the reports, because, like, Jason Schreier is still, like, insisting that it, you know, he, he hears that it's late 2020. Possibly. Like, who knows what he hears? I mean, he's, he's, he's a great reporter. I'm not saying he's not. I'm just saying, like, I'm sure he hears a lot of things. Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily, he's not, he's not, he doesn't have a 100% track record, you know? I mean, That's right. Oh, of course. And a lot of times he holds things back until someone else, like, Either puts them out on uh, on Twitter or out into the the news media, or it leaks, and then he'll confirm it or something like that. But a lot of times he'll say like he doesn't even know until that that happens if this yeah. is even a real thing. Yeah, interesting. The uh, let me see. It, the only thing that they've confirmed is that it won't be a 2019 release. Like okay. That's what they did in the uh, in the call com- okay. conference call. Was they're like, okay, we don't have any you know PS5. Okay, so it out could be 2020. Year. Um, because the speculation uh, earlier in the year, whenever they decided to skip E3, was that they would have their own event, announce the console there, and then release it later this year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so in the investor the call, theory, they, they mentioned least. that, yeah, no, not coming 2019. So 2020 is, is a possibility. So, I mean, and that's the thing. Like, I think that, um, I think it would help Microsoft to get out ahead of it. Yeah. Um, it would help them to, I think, uh, especially if, the, like, I mean, I'm, I don't, don't want to like, I don't want to take control of all this, but I think my second prediction is we will see Microsoft. They will lay out their game streaming plan. Yes, whatever that looks like. Yeah, I, uh, I, I was thinking that they're going to date the beta because they're supposed to have a beta of X Cloud later this year. Um, and then basically detail how do you get into this beta? Mm. Um, whether it's they're going to do it through their like because they have the OS uh, ring system where it's like oh if you're you know you yep. get the OS early early if you're on the inner ring if you're an outer ring you still get the the os early but it's you know it's much later um the inner inner rings potential to brick your console most of the time um <laughs> and uh and so yeah but I, I wondered if it was through that program potentially because they already have a tra- proven track record of like good feedback from the, that group of people that and obviously like most of the time like those os updates don't leak and things like that so i i want to say they'll probably start off through that that so like oh if you want in on this you can sign up for that program Xbox insider program or something right like that. and uh and so i was wondering like if they would do you know the beta through that but then also um we had recently like i had an article um, on the Microsoft blog uh, that talked about their how they're dealing with the X Cloud stuff, what the this current state of X Cloud is basically. We have X number of servers in these different regions and things, and, and they went kind of into the developer side of things where they were talking about basically how little work it is to put your normal you know, like if your game works on Xbox One, it will work on the streaming service. Like it's it's flawless. Like it'll go across. And we have it built into the OS to where if your game is streaming, your game will also know that it's streaming. So you can do certain streamable only features like, oh, I want to broadcast to this or I want to, you know, transfer over to this thing. Anyway. And so that was mainly developer focused. My thought with the XCloud and for E3 is they'll appeal to the gamers like and be like, hey, here's what you can expect. Yeah. And you know 
Yeah, I mean, I think about like you know when we covered the uh, the Google Stadia event, like that was, and you know when you, when I watched that, like that was not for gamers. No, like, and so in order for Microsoft to become a leader in that space, I think all they have to do is come out and do what you're saying and yeah. appeal to gamers, tell them why they need to care about this, why it's going to make their game experience better, all the things. And what I don't want to happen, like, and they have to be careful of, is stepping on the same landmines they stepped on whenever they released the first Xbox One, Yeah. whenever they were talking about the all-streaming future. And there there was a oh, more of a focus on the tech than there was a focus on games. And it sounds like, I mean, I'm not saying, like Phil Spencer has turned this ship. Oh, so yeah. like, and we're talking about 14 first-party Xbox games, yep. which is insane. Yeah. So like, I don't think they're going to step on that, like the no games landmine. Yeah. It's just the like, okay, you know, Sure, maybe we all watch television through our through the throughport in mm-hmm. our Xbox One X, mm-hmm. but we don't need you to like focus on that. You right, know? like that's what they were focusing on back then. Like this is an all-in-one media center. This is gonna be a digital future. We all share games, blah blah blah, all the things. It's like we don't need that level. Yeah. We need to know how this will help us play games. Correct, and I think like the. The tightrope walk currently that they've done really well with uh, in the past, like whenever they did do the Scorpio reveal or whatever, and they were like, oh, it's going to be forwards compatible backward, and backwards compatible. So like you're, you know, it'll work forwards and work backwards and stuff. Um, the, the tightrope walk with this one is to say this is an option for streaming. Like streaming is a, is a thing that, that we think lots of people will be into but we also still have this other option. Like they need to, you know, make sure that they don't go hard into the paint for the streaming and leave behind people who are just not into streaming or who are like not able to stream even Netflix to their house. So like they want to have their normal console. Yeah. And so I think that that's the tightrope walk they'll have to walk this time. Um, whenever they had to, you know, the, the mid uh, generation upgrade where it's yeah. like, Oh no, we're not going to leave behind anyone who has a day one Xbox. Um, but we have this other option for people yeah. on the market. So I think like they have been in Phil Spencer has been doing an amazing job at walking those tightropes of like the, the, the marketing narratives. And I have no reason to think that this will be any different. Yeah. It's just, it'll be, interesting to see how that all comes together how that tightrope walk works out well like and this is the thing like in order to prove prove like to prove the platform first stance that they're taking where like this is a we're building an xbox platform not an xbox console yeah like especially with xCloud, all they need to do is at the end of every single, especially first-party title, all 14 of these first-party titles, all it has to say is, you know, available this date on Xbox One X or and xCloud. Or, yeah. like, in some way, note that the it, you will just stream what you just saw. Yeah. The game that you just got excited about, you can stream that. Yeah. Or you can play it on here. Right. You know? Yeah, and that makes sense. That makes a lot, a lot of sense where it's like, oh, exclusively on uh, Xbox and xCloud. Yeah. You know, kind of maybe, you know, you could treat it as, like, this. oh, it's going to be on this, also on this. Do you think that they, uh, they talk about, like, their mobile strategy on phones or on switch i think 100 percent they're going to talk like about every device because even on the uh, in that the the more developer facing blog post they talked about how they want it to be on 
every device that you do anything on uh, and whether that comes down to phones whether that comes down and like comes down to like i think i'm more like focused on like is that you know do we even talk about our their partnership with switch with nintendo and switch i think we do and because they haven't revealed that no they haven't rumors they haven't revealed that but they also have put out games on it and on the switch they're putting out games and they put like the back end in place right i like i don't know i feel like they don't say that you don't think so no i feel like they hold that until they actually go through the beta and they get everything working better, I don't think yeah. that they will throw this on the Switch. I don't think we'll see this on the Switch this year. I think it's, if it's, I think that's the thing is if it's a good experience on Switch, I think that they'll do it for Switch. But I don't know if they like will know yet if it's a good enough experience to actually release onto Switch because the limitations of the hardware are also like phones, really fast internet, right? You have a pretty fast connection. The data speeds are really good. The Switch doesn't is notoriously doesn't have the greatest Wi-Fi connector. Um, otherwise, like you wouldn't run into people who are like playing competitive Splatoon wanting to use the uh, e- Ethernet uh, adapter. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I don't know. I think again, if if it works well on Switch, they'll they'll talk about it on Switch. I also think it might be more of a Nintendo announcement than a Microsoft announcement. Like Microsoft might be like, "Hey, Nintendo." This is a big deal well, for gonna, you. What, what Why I can, don't you you use take yeah, this one? Honestly, like if if they do it, I think that they'll have someone from Nintendo on stage with Phil Spencer that comes up and talks about it yeah. because there's I don't think they're gonna throw it in a Nintendo Direct, um, and there's no other good way to do this other than a press release, right? Um, right. And uh, the other thing I think that they could wait for though is you know there's been rumors of a new Switch model. That's right. And one of the problems. You know, has been the the antenna inside the switch, and I w- would assume that a new improved version yeah. would uh, bolster that antenna strength, and so that mm-hmm. could uh, accompany a hey this this machine this version of the switch this yeah. will be great for X Cloud. Yeah, and I think that's a uh, that wouldn't happen here either. Going no, that wouldn't happen here either. But I think going into like more the Nintendo side of things, I think like that's kind of the what what Nintendo will do in the future because they think about all of their handhelds that they've had. They've always released like updated versions of them and yeah. had software and features. This a, they don't call this a handheld though. They're specific for they don't treat those. it like a handheld. It's true. They haven't treated it like a handheld. And we've never seen like mid. Uh, we haven't seen mid, um, generation versions of like the Wii it's true. or the 64 or, it's true. you know, GameCube. Yeah. They found other ways to do it with the 64 with the expansion pack. But, uh, like, yeah, like we haven't seen like a Wii U plus or anything like right. that. So it'll be interesting whenever they, I'm not saying they won't do it. I'm just right. saying like they don't call this a console for sure. And we don't have any kind of, uh, precedence for them doing it with a console. The only games in my mind that I know of like Nintendo first party games that will feature, uh, handhold kind of only stuff is like the upcoming, uh, super Mario, um, maker, uh, two, that one actually has like some handled only, uh, features where it's like, Oh, it's going to be way easier to build your levels by the touchscreen. Um, than it is like to aim so and, that like was, that was the case with, uh, with the Wii U as well, right? Or you use the, the stylus on the screen and stuff like that. So this is the only like this is the first time that they're kind of like leaning away from it being like, oh, this is we're leaning into it being a handheld. It's always been like, oh, this is a home console you can take with you, not a handheld that you plug into your TV. Um, so yeah, it'll yeah. be interesting to see if, if I mean, whenever still, they get I, rid of it. I don't of think the, that the presence of handhelds only features like is 
indicative of than taking a more handheld approach to it. Maybe not. I th- my theory is that whenever they get rid of the 3DS, like whenever they finally like, okay, the last games have come out for that, we're not going to ever talk about the 3DS again. That's whenever they'll like go, okay, this is the new handheld thing. Yeah. Um, that could be now with the Pokemon game. Cause like Pokemon also has like handheld, like it's built for handheld is what the developers have said. They're like, Oh, this is, this is a, we're d- designing this game around handheld mode. Yeah. Um, whereas with the let's go Pikachu and let's go Eevee, they're like, we designed that game yeah. around your TV. So, so I, mean, I think, I, th- I think that's like, but that's like saying, you know, they're, t- Hey, they're taking, they're changing their approach to a motion, uh, strategy approach whenever they release, you know, games that, Use the all the motion controls and yeah. inside the yeah. I, I think from maybe from the developer standpoint, yes, they're saying this is mobile mobile first. Yeah, I don't think from a Nintendo standpoint that they'll ever be like this is a mobile first console. Maybe not, and maybe that's just because like oh, we want to still be like a console manufacturer, not like oh, we're not just a handheld you know company. Like we want to, they want to still be able to pl- like present themselves as like a home console company. Um, and I mean, the statistics bear out that like 50% of people only use it as a, as a handheld con. Like it, it's an even split between people who use it as a primarily a home console and people who use it as primarily as a handheld. Um, I haven't plugged that into my TV in like three years or, or I guess it's only been out for three years. <laughs> the first year is honestly the only time that I plugged that in. Like yeah. since we moved to this house, I have not plugged my uh, switch into the TV. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's rare that I plug it in. I did, again, I did that one. Uh, I did. We do it for uh, New Year's Eve. Yeah, yeah. That one time. Yeah. I mean, it's rare that I plug it in, but like, you know, I think that's not necessarily the case all around, yeah. you know? Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, um, another prediction that I had that Phil Spencer kind of like undid was like, I was like, oh, every single Microsoft first party studio is going to like talk about a game. Mm. But, you know, 14 games is close, but not quite. How many um, studios do they have? Uh, let me see. I think they have like close, like about close to 20 now. Hmm. So, I mean, we're, we do have some of them that have just released games. And so like, they're yeah. only just now spinning up whatever they're going to put out. For yeah. Microsoft, yeah. Oh, but... Undead Labs came out with uh state of decay two last year. That's right. Or was that last year? Uh, so uh, yeah, that was, yeah last, that was year. last year, last summer. Yeah. So uh, state of decay, uh, sorry, undead labs. Um, you have, uh, who made Hellblade? Um, Oh, that was uh Ninja theory, Ninja theory. So like, Actually, that Hellblade was a while ago, though. It was like early last year or late the year before. So yeah, I mean, it could, it could, they could come out with something. Um, I also thought that the initiative, uh, which is their like brand new one, I thought that maybe they would. Tease I, mean, I, think, something. I think we could possibly see some from, something from them. I, I think, think that we'll that would be fun. Gameplay, anything. Maybe just a logo. I, yeah, because <laughs> honestly, what I'm, what I, what I firmly believe is that Halo will be a launch title on the new console. And mm-hmm. they're gonna save the initiatives game for later after that. Yeah, um, that makes sense. Obsidian, I think they just released a game. Yeah, and they're about to release the uh, what is it? The outer, outer space. Uh, no, they, they just released Pillars of Eternity too. The only reason I know that is because um, I was uh, so I've been reading through Jason Schreier's book, Blood, Sweat, and Pixels. Nice. I never finished it. Yeah, um, and uh, so and and because they. It was interesting. He talked about Pillars of Eternity One, the development of that, and how it allowed them to uh, maintain their independence. And then I was like, "Well, then they promptly got bought by Microsoft." <laughs> well, yeah. So well, that then I do, like dove into like, okay, like what are they working on now? Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's cool. I mean, the funny thing about that, like that, and then the Ninja Theory, like those acquisitions. 
the developers like were super adamant that like oh no microsoft is like just wants us to make the same games we would which normally is, make and then just put well, them out as microsoft and, and and like the biggest thing with and, and you know i i you know encourage anyone to go read that book yeah. blood sweat and pixels is really good. It's good um the uh this the main focus of the piece and the chapter on obsidian was talking about they had had always really been plagued by um, publishers, uh, they were basically at the will of the publisher. Hmm. And so they, they had just, uh, right before they decided to um, make Pillars of Eternity, they went through a huge round of um, layoffs because uh, the publisher, it was actually Microsoft. <laughs> Microsoft canceled a game hmm. that they were working on for the original Xbox One Yeah. Um, for the launch of that. It was, so was going to been... be this giant RPG and um, whenever Microsoft just canceled it, well, like, well, the funding's gone. I have to we have to leave all these people. Uh, unless you have something else already in the pipeline ready, there's you know, like no way around it. And um, like the one of the numbers I thought that was just like man, that's just astronomical. Salary benefits, uh, operating like workspace, all that kind of stuff. It, it costs them and was costing them, I guess, at the time around ten thousand dollars a month per employee. To keep them employed, um, then that was like everything included on average. Hmm. And so, you know, if you have, you know, I think it was like they were they calculated the cost to keep the people employed, and it was like going to be half a million dollars, and you you just don't have that mm -hmm. over the next few months. So they decided to kickstart Pillars of Eternity and go straight to the fans because Tim Schafer had just did done it. Yep. Um, and uh, and that was kind of like the first foray into that world. Um, and then Pillars of Eternity Two that just released yep. uh, was not kickstarted. I forget it was uh, the the one of the one of the guys at Obsidian helped co-create this new platform. It's like Kickstarter, yeah. Um, and uh, and so that just released, I think, this year. And um, and so like that that was what was funny to me though. Like, I, and I think that that helped probably to make their decision of like yeah. they've always it felt like always been looking for a solution to the instability mm -hmm. of. A publisher canceling their games. Yeah. Well, now if they don't have to worry about that, right? Like oh, that sounds like a great situation. Well, and then you have like obviously they've been burned by like Microsoft in the past, but like that was under a completely different leadership and under. Like, yeah, and I don't. I didn't. I didn't. It didn't feel like in that book that like they're. I mean, it was just something that happened. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like it wasn't a malicious thing, and it yeah. wasn't a like thing that they necessarily blamed Microsoft for. It was just like well that because right. there were it had happened to them before. On other games with mm -hmm. other publishers, it's yeah. just it's the way that it worked. At well, the time. that's you know whenever, I guess it was um, a f like a few weeks ago, um, someone from Platinum Games uh, talked about how Scalebound, like Microsoft had canceled Scalebound, um, and they talked about that in such a, a a unique way to like in and like shining a good light on like Microsoft in that instance where they're like you know they're like we felt really bad that like Microsoft took a lot of flack for that game getting canceled. And they're like, there were lots of problems with that game on both sides. You know, it wasn't Microsoft's fault all, all along the way. They're like, there was just inherent problems with that game getting developed and being released. Yeah. And then they were like, and so you know, we kind of felt bad, like that Microsoft wanted, but Microsoft wants to be that for the people that develop for them. Yeah. And so they were like, but contractually, we couldn't talk about a lot of things in that process. Well, that would have helped Microsoft. <laughs> and so anyway, I mean, it's, just, it's, it's fascinating that the, like the way the games developed and games are developed. And then whenever they get canceled, just that whole thing, like where I, at the time, whenever Scalebound was, was canceled, people 
were so up in arms like oh how dare you microsoft cancel this game and mm-hmm. you know whereas like platinum is sitting here going like actually like that might have been a good thing for us to not have to finish that game so yeah just weird and interesting the, I mean, yeah, the process yeah i mean and, and the thing is it's you know there's a lot of um i think there's more transparency into what's happening in these studios now because of people like jason schreier and let's you know, both good and bad. I think that's good in the sense that we're able to like know, hey, what is actually going into making these games. But I also think there's probably, yeah, there's some, there's more attention on that stuff, and so there can be some confusion whenever it's like, well, you know, we're gonna get all upset, like, hey, you're canceling this game. It's mm-hmm. bad for the developer. Well, we don't know that. Yeah, we're making assumptions. Yeah, that it's bad for the developer. Well, and then like you know, obviously like in this instance, Platinum is like you know, there's there's. Plenty of blame to go around in that game. It was yeah. not going to be a good game well, if we had to release it. Yeah, so. and, that's, and that's the thing. Like, I mean, I've been a part of you know things before where it's like, man, this would be just, just it would be great if we could just cancel this <laughs> and not do it anymore. You know? Yeah. It's like that would be the best situation yeah. right now. Well, in Platinum, like they they put out a lot of games and like they're you know there's uh. They're one of those like the rare like middle kind of I would say middle tier kind of developers out there yeah. where uh, where they put out put out lots of games. I mean, and, I think of, that there's. Varying qualities. Yeah, there's a temptation whenever things like, get canceled, it, and I forget, you know, exactly what the the, the um, thought process is called. But it's it's whenever you have put a lot of work into something, like, well, we can't waste all that work. We can't yeah. quit now because we can't waste all that work. Well, I think it's, it's the like, sunk cost fallacy. Yeah, or well, like yeah, and it's like sure, but you're gonna put a lot more work into something possibly not even being worth putting out at that point. Right. Right. Because it's you know yeah it's just fascinating yeah back to e3 all right jumping into some third-party stuff chris Mm. um i'm gonna say on the streaming front my prediction is that ubisoft uh talks about their google stadia partnership uh Mm. with the the beta of google stadia and really embraces like goes really deep into how they think that streaming is the future on their their whole console Mm. Um, to the point where I think that they might even reveal like some sort of a, oh, this is going to be a service to get all of your games streamed to the Google Stadia or whatever as this one price or something like that, like a, mm. like a subscription model a la Game Pass or something mm. like that. Um, but yeah, like uh, Ubisoft has always been very into the streaming thing. They even referenced it like last year at their conference. And then with the Google Stadia, they did that partnership. So I really think they're going to go real hard into that. Mm. Interesting. We'll see. We'll see. Um, on another Ubisoft thing that I was thinking, they they have done every year for the last two years. They've done a partnership with Nintendo in some way. Yeah. Um, I think they'll probably do another partnership with uh, Nintendo for some sort of an exclusive. My hope is a Mario Plus Rabbids uh, two. Yeah. Or something like an an RPG from that studio That's what uh, I was on, ask. on the Switch. Yeah, I feel like that performed well. Was successful for them. Yeah, I think it's the second highest selling. Um, a third party game on switch mm. uh my third party um prediction is that e, uh ea i almost said e3 i always do this i know right e3. ea since their ea access is coming to playstation they will day and date start putting mm. their games into ea access on day one interesting i see so this is a long shot i so kind of game pass style stuff because yes. they already have like trials that they'll do like, oh you get to play yep. 10 hours of uh, anthem so why not just like put that into the service and but what, yeah you know. like uh, 
I think, I mean, that, that would make me subscribe, like, mm. immediately. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, like, it would make me consider subscribing because I, I think about, like, okay, if some of the Star Wars games or if they have, yeah. like... <sighs> that would mean, like, Respawn mm. Star Wars game would be in their day one. Can you, yeah. I mean, who would not subscribe to EA Access for that? That's a good point. Um, I'll have a, I have a EA pr- prediction in that they announce another Star Wars game, unannounced mm. Star Wars game. So they reveal it and then cancel it next year. But you know, <laughs> actually they'll, they'll cancel it by the end of the conference. Yeah, they cancel it. They're like, actually you remember that game? We've canceled it, forwarded its assets to this other studio and uh, they're now making the Star Wars game. Um, but yeah, I think that we'll, we'll reveal a, uh, basically the successor to ragtag, whatever that might be. We might have some sort of a, uh, a logo, a teaser, something from them um, about that Star Wars game. That's my prediction for EA. Hmm. I don't know, man. The thing is, that like, EA is not even us, having a conference. A I think it's a very long shot. EA is not even having like a conference. Like, no. they, they've got like their time slots, like already talking about. So I'm not even sure if they'll have very many like big, like earth shaking announcements. I don't think they will. Um, cool. Do you have? Uh, do you have anything else? Any I don't. I don't really. I, I know I've only. Had, those are only like three predictions, but I don't really have anything else. Yeah, the uh, the only other ones that I was thinking like are like specific game announcements, like Watch Dogs Three. Oh yeah, I'm just gonna go ahead and uh, I think the Red Dead Redemption Three is gonna be announced. Okay, okay, I, I dig it. I yeah. dig it. Um, the only other one that I had was like Watch Dogs Three and then Splatoon Three. Like yeah. I thought that you know it's it's about time for Splatoon Two to be winding down, like their their last um, round of like content or whatever is supposed to come out in June. So it's about time to announce another one. Yeah, in the news we should have talked about the Avengers game will be at uh, E3 and talked about. Um, I also would love to hear whatever Rocksteady's working on. Um, that would be pretty cool. Um, I don't know that we will. I mean, we've wanted... Like, I've wanted that, like, last year. I thought the last year we might hear from them because yeah. it's been so long since we heard from them. Um, but the only place that I could see that they would do is on Microsoft stage. So... At know, this point, yeah. At this point, you know, maybe. Because, again, like, I, I had a prediction in here. Sony announces, oh, no. You know, I do hope, you know, like for, I mean, again, like I'm probably looking forward to the Microsoft conference the most this mm-hmm. year. I do hope that, um, there are a lot more games that are coming out sooner rather than later this yeah. year. Yeah. There were a lot of games last year on everyone's stages that were pretty far in the future. Yeah. I mean, especially, I feel like a lot of people have gotten burned by even Sony at this point has gotten burned by announcing stuff really early and then yeah. basically having the same thing to show every E3. Right. I mean that's that's um, the spot they're in right now. And so then you know I think about even Ubisoft like they had the uh, the the piratey game where you you are the ship or whatever yeah. that game I can't remember. Skull and Bones. Mm-hmm. It's that was announced years ago at this point and we have heard nothing about it. I feel like at this point it'll probably be canceled or it'll show up again this E3 and we'll just watch another multiplayer match happen i don't know yeah there's lots of games where i'm like i just don't want to hear anything about them until they're finally out yeah um the last thing that i i I just like looked at my notes or the last thing that i wanted to to mention was ori uh and the will of the wisps Mm -hmm. um i feel like that's going to be releasing later this year Mm-hmm. Also out on Nintendo Switch. Mm. I think that's the spot where Didn't you bring they already in. Announced that? Um, no, no, I don't think that's that's not coming to the Nintendo Switch mm. yet. So okay. I feel like the, both of those games, both Ori games, could come to the Switch, and I feel like that's a good Nintendo 
partnership level where it's like, oh, yeah, we, we're going to have a Nintendo representation at the Microsoft stage. Yeah, so that'd be cool. Or vice versa. N- you know, Microsoft shows up at the uh, Nintendo Direct. So I don't think that's going to happen at all. <laughs> Nintendo Directs are so much like fun, but they're also like really weird because like, yeah. oh, you don't you don't ever know what's in them. You don't ever know what's coming up next because they're so random. And so that's all fun. But at the same time, like uh, it's not the same level of, of uh, excitement as yeah. a stage show. Yeah. So. Cool. Well, next week is not E3. <laughs> it's very like, true. A lot of times when we do these predictions, it's the week before E3. Next week, we're going to be talking about X-Men Dark Phoenix, which I am actually excited for. The last trailer has me like pretty pumped. I know. Um, and if this is like the last version of this version of X-Men, last movie of this version of X-Men, um, I hope they pull it off. So I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic about it, John. Yeah. And this one has been pushed down the line a lot. Like, so they've, they've been tweaking it. Yeah. See if all those tweaks pay off. Yep. Um, and then the following week we will do E3. You and Fultron, actually. That'll yeah. Be a fun one. Well, yeah. I still, I still want to figure out what we're doing that week. I don't know. I have, I've, 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 I have some ideas. Okay. So we'll, we'll see what we're, we'll, we'll reveal our plan next week. I <laughs> love it. Uh, you can find us online at stantargetpodcast.com, on Twitter at Chris two five zero, and John Wright seven seven seven, and at stantargetpod. Please go to your podcast service of choice, review us, tell all your friends about us. We really appreciate it. That's it for this week. We'll see you next time on Stay, Stay on Target. target.